Hello, this is Michael Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our March 2023 issue. The theme of this issue is Hot Topics in Asthma, and we thank editorial board members James Gern and Ian Pavord for serving as coordinators for this theme. The first three theme review articles address important considerations regarding asthma in children, including the role of lung function in the development of childhood asthma, mechanistic studies that help to define clinical asthma phenotypes and endotypes in children, and factors to consider when prescribing biologics to children with asthma. The next three articles highlight new paradigms in the management of asthma, a proactive predict and prevent approach, treatable traits, and using inhaled corticosteroids as part of rescue therapy. The last invited review article deals with the extremely important topic of health disparities in asthma. Finally, an insightful theme editorial was contributed by theme coordinators James Gern and Ian Pavord that does a terrific job of summarizing and contextualizing these theme review articles. In addition to the review articles about asthma, a special article in the March issue presents a synopsis of the 2023 International Consensus Statement on Allergy and Rhinology Guidance for Allergic Rhinitis Diagnosis and Management. Now I would like to present the highlights of the original articles in the issue, which are on the subjects of asthma, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, mast cell disorders, rhinitis and sinusitis, and urticaria and angioedema. The first asthma article is Bidirectional Associations Between Asthma and Types of Mental Disorders by Liu et al. What is already known about this topic? Asthma and mental disorders frequently co-occur. Most existing studies on the associations between asthma and mental disorders report relatively restricted types of mental disorders and very often investigate associations in one direction. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this population-based cohort study comprising 5,053,471 individuals, we found bidirectional associations for 10 mental disorder asthma pairs, for example, schizophrenia, mood disorders, neurotic disorders, eating disorders, personality disorders, and developmental disorders. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings may be of clinical importance in reducing diagnostic delay and improving the management of both disorder types. The next asthma article is Associations Between Blood Eosinophils and Neutrophils with Clinical Features in Adult Onset Asthma by Flinkman et al. What is already known about this topic? It has been suggested that asthma patients with different endotypes have different risks for exacerbations. There is a lack of information differentiating various endotypes other than eosinophilic asthma. What does this article add to our knowledge? The neutrophilic group had the highest body mass index and inhaled corticosteroid use and made unplanned respiratory visits. The neutrophilic, eosinophilic, and mixed granulocytic groups had more severe asthma. 
the neutrophilic and eosinophilic groups used antibiotics. The eosinophil group had nasal polyps, suspected sinusitis, and greater FEV1 decline. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Information about patients' eosinophil and neutrophil counts may be useful when assessing the clinical status of patients with adult-onset asthma and planning treatment. The next asthma article is Post-Acute COVID-19 Respiratory Symptoms in Patients with Asthma, an Electronic Health Records-Based Study by Wang et al. What is already known about this topic? Post-viral respiratory symptoms are common in patients with asthma, and post-acute COVID-19 respiratory symptoms are widely experienced by the general population. However, post-acute COVID-19 symptom risk for patients with asthma is poorly understood. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this large study of electronic clinical notes for more than 31,000 patients up to 180 days after acute COVID-19, patients with asthma had higher risk of respiratory symptoms and of developing new symptoms compared with patients without asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings that patients with asthma are at greater risk for respiratory symptoms after COVID-19 compared with patients without asthma may shape patient and provider expectations of the post-COVID-19 period, inform care management, and justify resource allocation. The next asthma article is Association of Asthma with Treatments and Outcomes in Children with Critical Influenza by Maddox et al. What is already known about this topic? Children with asthma are at increased risk for critical respiratory illness owing to influenza infection, and vaccination decreases this risk. What does this article add to our knowledge? Critical respiratory illness resulting from influenza infection can result in post-discharge respiratory sequelae, including respiratory-specific health resource use and respiratory symptoms, particularly in patients with asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Less than half of patients in this cohort were vaccinated. Advocated for primary vaccination and infection prevention and tertiary treatment of post-discharge morbidities, prevention strategies may mitigate morbidities resulting from critical illness caused by influenza, particularly in patients with pre-existing asthma. The next asthma article is leukotriene receptor antagonists and risk of neuropsychiatric entities, a meta-analysis of observational studies by Bay et al. What is already known about this topic? Case reports and pharmacovigilance studies have indicated that leukotriene receptor antagonists, LTRAs, might lead to neuropsychiatric entities, whereas the conclusions in observational studies were inconsistent. What does this article add to our knowledge? The association between LTRA use and neuropsychiatric entities was not statistically significant at the population level. However, increased neuropsychiatric risk may exist in particular groups, for example, patients with allergic rhinitis or neuropsychiatric history. 
more studies specific to these subjects are required to further examine the relationship between LTRAs and neuropsychiatric entities and identify the underlying mechanisms. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients with allergic rhinitis or neuropsychiatric history should be well informed about the possible neuropsychiatric risks when prescribed LTRAs. Persistent follow-up and timely reports of adverse reactions are critical for further evaluation of clinical benefits and risks. The next asthma article is Leveraging Electronic Health Records for Guideline-Based Asthma Documentation by Landeo Guterres et al. What is already known about this topic? Guideline-based asthma care relies on thorough and systematic history taking for diagnosis and management. Yet asthma documentation remains variable despite access to electronic health records and the time invested in them by healthcare professionals. What does this article add to our knowledge? When using an asthma-specific structural template, asthma documentation of key clinical variables is consistently increased in initial and follow-up encounters among different physicians. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Using an asthma-specific structured template in the electronic health record can improve guideline-based documentation, which may lead to better clinical care and can be leveraged as a research tool. The next asthma article is Dyslipidemia is Associated with Worse Asthma Clinical Outcomes, a Prospective Cohort Study by Liu et al. What is already known about this topic? Dyslipidemia has been widely documented to be associated with cardiovascular disease, and recent studies have found an association with asthma prevalence. What does this article add to our knowledge? We identify that dyslipidemia is associated with uncontrolled asthma, severe asthma, non-allergic asthma, asthma with fixed airflow limitation, and older adult asthma phenotypes. In addition, dyslipidemia is an independent risk factor for future asthma exacerbations. How does this study impact current management guidelines? We identified the clinical relevance of dyslipidemia and asthma, which is independent of other components of metabolic syndrome. These findings highlight the importance of considering dyslipidemia as an extrapulmonary trait in asthma management. The next asthma article is Dupilumab efficacy in patients with uncontrolled or oral corticosteroid-dependent allergic and non-allergic asthma by Brussel et al. What is already known about this topic? IL-4 and 13 play a key role in airway inflammation. Dupilumab can suppress type 2 inflammatory biomarkers in patients with uncontrolled moderate to severe asthma with or without evidence of allergic asthma, one of the most common forms of asthma. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this analysis of patients with uncontrolled, moderate to severe or oral corticosteroid-dependent severe asthma, dupilumab reduced severe exacerbation rates and improved lung function, asthma control, and quality of life in patients with or without evidence of allergic asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? 
The results of this study indicate that dupilumab is beneficial in reducing the clinical burden of disease in patients with uncontrolled, moderate to severe, or corticosteroid-dependent severe asthma with and without evidence of allergic asthma. The last asthma article is comorbidities modify the phenotype but not the treatment effectiveness to mepolizumab in severe eosinophilic asthma by Criticos et al. What is already known about this topic? Despite the prevalence and impact of comorbidities in severe eosinophilic asthma, they are often underrepresented in pivotal randomized controlled trials. Data on the real-world effectiveness of mepolizumab in the presence of comorbid conditions are limited. What does this article add to our knowledge? Comorbidities can modify the clinical asthma phenotype in patients with severe eosinophilic asthma. However, mepolizumab treatment is associated with comparable clinical improvements in the presence of comorbidity, effectively minimizing the disease impact and corticosteroid burden. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Mepolizumab treatment for patients with severe eosinophilic asthma should be considered in the presence of comorbid conditions. Comorbidities should be assessed to identify potential for enhanced treatment responsiveness in the face of multiple biologic options. The next article is Omalizumab in Allergic Bronchopulmonary Aspergillosis, a Systemic Review and Meta-Analysis by Jin et al. What is already known about this topic? Omalizumab, an anti-IgE monoclonal antibody, has been used as an off-label therapy for allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, ABPA, over the past two decades, along with oral glucocorticoids. What does this article add to our knowledge? This systematic review and meta-analysis demonstrates that in patients with ABPA, omalizumab reduced exacerbations and oral glucocorticoid use, improved lung function and asthma control, and was well tolerated. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This systematic review and meta-analysis adds to the limited data available and demonstrates the effectiveness of omalizumab in improving disease outcomes in patients with ABPA, which may affect treatment decision-making. The next article is Mast Cell Activation Syndromes, Comparison Between Two Scoring Models to Predict for Mast Cell Clonality, by Rama et al. What is already known about this topic? The National Institutes of Health Idiopathic Clonal Anaphylaxis Score, NICUS, and the Spanish Network on Mastocytosis Score, REMAS, are used to screen for clonality in mast cell activation syndromes. The NICUS was validated for idiopathic anaphylaxis and showed greater accuracy than the REMAS. What does this article add to our knowledge? The REMAS seems to be more accurate than the NICUS particularly among men and for systemic mastocytosis and anaphylaxis featuring urticaria and or cardiovascular symptoms, as well as in patients with a blood-negative, bone marrow-positive KIT mutation, but not a hereditary alpha-tryptosemia-associated genotype. 
How does this study impact current management guidelines? More sensitive blood-based molecular assays to detect kit D816V are needed. The combined use of the remus and blood detection of kit D816V is recommended to detect mast cell clonality. The next article is subendotyping of Dermatophagoides tyrannissimus induced rhinitis and its impact on respiratory comorbidities by DeMarchi et al. What is already known about this topic? The impact of delayed hypersensitivity to Dermatophagoides tyrannissimus on chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps and respiratory comorbidities of allergic rhinitis is unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Two subendotypes with significantly different clinical outcome can be identified among patients with Dermatophagoides tyrannissimus-induced allergic rhinitis, according to the presence of a T-cell delayed type mite sensitization detected by the positive atopy patch test response. Patients with both IgE and T-cell mediated mite sensitization are more at risk of developing chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps and conjunctivitis than patients with only IgE-mediated mite sensitization. Delayed type mite sensitization is associated with a larger increase in nasal airway resistance, total nasal score, and visual analog scale score to mite exposure. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Atopy patch tests for Dermatophagoides tyrannissimus independently predicts chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps and conjunctivitis and should be included in the workup of these patients. Future research comparing the long-term effects of allergen immunotherapy, the only treatment of allergic rhinitis that targets the underlying pathophysiology and has the potential to alter the natural history of the disease, on these subendotypes might give further insights into their clinical utility towards personalized management of allergic rhinitis. The last article is Eating Increases and Exercise Decreases Disease Activity in Patients with Symptomatic Dermatographism by Ertis et al. What is already known about this topic? We previously described food-exacerbated symptomatic dermatographism and food-dependent symptomatic dermatographism in patients with symptomatic dermatographism. What does this article add to our knowledge? Our study has two major results of clinical importance and scientific interest. Eating a nonspecific carbohydrate-rich meal can worsen symptomatic dermatographism and exercise can improve it. We describe how exercise protects symptomatic dermatographism from eating-induced worsening. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings show two potential confounders that might affect symptomatic dermatographism provocation test results. Results from it might aid in better standardizing provocation tests and facilitating better patient management. Thank you for listening to the highlights of the March 2023 issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. This is Michael Schatz, and I hope you find this issue beneficial for you and your patients.